You're listening to the Living in Your Passion Place podcast, hosted by me, Luca Petrucci. Welcome to a real conversation with all walks of life, ranging from leaders and change makers to my closest friends and mentors, about discovering and taking ownership of your core values, what you really want, and what you love to do, and creating an authentic and unique life around these, a life in your passion place, and then sharing it with your community and the world. Our goal is by the end of each episode, you learn insights, principles, and steps that give you clarity, confidence, and the motivation to connect or reconnect with your passions today and ignite a life full of happiness, fun, purpose, and love because you deserve it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here we go. Welcome to episode 25, the fourth to last episode in season two of The Pod. In this conversation, you'll get to connect with one of my friends, Ali Nunzi. She's the founder and CEO of Grace and Glory Yoga in New Jersey and Philadelphia. She's a wife to her husband, Ray, and a mom to Joey, and another daughter that's arriving in January of 2021. In this chat, Allie shares so many mic drop moments. We talk about how passion is the hill you're willing to die on, how it's the thing that matters the most to you in life. We discuss her faith and spiritual journey that started with curiosity and led her to learning through reading over 20 books about spirituality and religion, her first yoga experience that she thought was very weird, self-development, and her self-realization of the importance of finding the God that speaks to your heart. She shares a few of her walk-on-faith moments, including signing the lease to open a yoga studio with only $700 in her bank, to now owning four studios with 74 instructors. We also hear why she believes human beings learn in two ways, from failure and play, and how we have the choice to always fail in playfulness. Grab your listening and notebooks and get ready for the best inspirational boost. Ali, welcome to Living in Your Passion Place podcast. How are you doing? I'm really well, Luke. I'm so happy to be here with you. Yeah, me too. I'm so glad we coordinated this and today is the day. There was no other day that this conversation was supposed to occur. (laughs) Totally. So before we get started, we start each conversation with a clearing to just ground yourself and... Yeah, so Ali, is there anything on your mind with this conversation or with life you just want to clear before we start? Yeah, what's in the space for me right now is there's so much unknown with COVID and state closures, our yoga studios are closed, and there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty, which is what I practice, getting comfortable with uncertainty. And so it's interesting that we're having a conversation about passion and what we need to lean into for our passion. Um, So I feel like whatever conversation we're about to have is also one that I need to hear for myself. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I thank you for sharing that. And I just want to clear that with uncertainty of a lot of things right now that in this conversation and just really the rest of this year and obviously the rest of my life is to really lean into faith and patience. And when I hear that little voice in my head say, shut up, stupid, that is fear and doubt. So I just want to clear that, that in this conversation, I really lean into um, mm -hmm. the voice of faith and patience. So thanks for starting that. And yeah, so Ali, on this podcast, we talk about a lot of things. Um, this season is really all about how our core values are our North Star and how they're our guiding principle. And by being so clear in those, we're able to figure out our passion places, the, the places that light us up. So what are some core values that that you you live by and they could like change but like right now what are the core values you're living by in your life yeah they've been i'll say the same they've got a stronghold for the past like four or five years which seems pretty cool um because i've had time to really be with them but my three top core values are community leadership adventure and family mm. So you said they've been really like just guiding you for the last four to five years. Did you have a sit down four or five years ago and get really clear? Yeah, I remember um, just being really vague about it, you know, and that, that's what it, my core value of leadership has been in existence for about the past 10 years. And then what I got clear on about four years ago, it's, it's actually like what matters to me? What do I, you know, like, what will I not sit down on? What will I um, create my life? Like when I need to make choice, what will have me do that? And it's actually the word community, which gets used a lot. But what those two words mean together for me, a community is really where any two people interact. Like right now, you and I are a community. So what will it take um, for me to be the type of person that this conversation needs, where we can be in this together. So not dominating as a lot of leadership uh, conversations can tend to be, but really it's like, okay, Allie, what is your, what's your highest self? And can you bring that to any given interaction so that whomever you're interacting with is left in their greatest place? Um, you know, whether it's us having this conversation here, I mean, I've had firing conversations and my commitment is to leave that person in their greatness. And so it's that communal leadership that's so important to me. And, and I can see it like how it's, um, alive for me right now is in, there's been so much social fragmentation for hundreds of years. And right now we're at the the boiling point for it all here in the U S. And so what I see that there is to do is that social communal fragmentation that we've got to work really diligently and intelligent intelligently, but intentionally to bring people together to close the gap. Right. So that commune community leadership um, really is a guiding principle for me, not only in my my life, my life with my family, but in my professional life as well. 
Mm. Ali, I haven't heard a core value of somebody being so specific with that. I've heard community. I've heard a leadership and the two together. Wow. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see how that has just came up, you know, in your journey to connecting to, to your passion place. So we're really going to just go into your passion place shortly and just the journey that brought you to where you are today. Oh, just name off when you hear the word passion place is something that ignites your soul, that lights you up, that just makes Ali 100% authentically you. What comes up? Yeah, well, you reminded me right before recording this that uh, something that I had said was, to me, passion is it's the hill that you'll you'll die on. What is the thing that matters most to you? And listening for it, getting clear on it. Um, and it doesn't need to be so specific, but it's more like an energy, a feeling, a thing that um, it's, it's funny. I can recall where I had this moment in my life where I just assumed that everyone was passionate about what I was passionate about or felt, yeah, like, don't we all feel this way? And I look around at my close friends and be like, no, but you do. And therefore, you need to do this work. And it was like, oh, aha. And so to whoever happens to be listening to this podcast, whenever you happen to be listening to it, what I want you to hear is that whatever the hill that you're willing to die on, the thing that just matters so much to you, just just lean all in to that because I really believe that that's God's way of telling you, hey, Luca, this is your thing. You need to to go there to explore it. Um, and to me, that's that passion, that fire, and and passion is um, you know like the the original definition of passion had to do with um, you know passion of the Christ, right? Like the 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 spirit of the divine within you, right? And so whatever you believe in, it's listening for. What creates the fire in your heart? Mm, what creates the fire in your heart? Ali, and I love how you explained it of just this passion being like this broad thing, you know what I mean? And, oh, I'm just, I'm really thinking right now. Yeah. And listeners, I bet you're like really thinking too. And maybe you need to pause the conversation, write a couple things down, re-listen, Wow. What's the hill that you are going to die on? Oh my goodness. So Ali, uh, wow. I'm, I'm so, so excited for this. And let's just really start and share how you've figured this passion out. You know, like take us, take us back however far you'd like on your journey to discovering, you know, your treasure, your passion and, and how you've really shared it with your family and the many communities that you're powerfully impacting daily? Yeah, I would say, well, it's still unfolding. So I'll say that. I don't know that I've quite arrived at it yet, but it slowly every day gets chiseled away and starting to reveal itself. You know, like the, um, it's, it reminds me of what uh, Michelangelo would say. It's like the sculpture already exists within the slab of marble. And my job is to just chip away at it till it reveals itself. Um but, you know, my journey started, it just feels like my life, you know, and I, I can look at 
a time when I was in high school, which that uh, was over 20 years ago at this point. But I grew up in a Christian household, went to Sunday school like a good girl every Sunday. And when I was in high school, I was really suffering. I developed uh, disordered eating as a result of a sport that I was in. Um, and someone suggested I go to yoga to support with that. So it was like going to therapy, it wasn't working. And someone said, oh, you should try yoga. So yoga was not for the old school people on the line. Yoga was not even just 20 years ago what it is today. It was not a commonplace. You know, you'd, you'd be lucky if in your small town, there'd be like one little tiny yoga studio within like an hour. And, you know, like all the hippie weirdos gathered there. So I went and I will never forget it. This woman, she spiky hair on top and a rat tail. And she was like wrapped in linen clothing. And I'm like, these people are weird. I'm here for it. You know? (laughs) Um, so it was helpful and I kept going and I, what I discovered, which I didn't know at the time, I didn't understand. I didn't have context for knowing that what I was experiencing was self-development. All that I could see that it was a healthy curiosity I got curious, and so I started to read a lot of Eastern philosophy, and um, I was very artsy in high school. I ended up going to art school in college, and I just thought, like, I just had to other myself. Like, if people, it was the mainstream, then I wasn't doing it kind of a person. And then right after high school, I did my first yoga teacher training, Mm. which, you know, at 18 years old, you don't really have context for much of anything, (laughs) but I did it, and... I started teaching, and then I, after college, moved to Jacksonville, Florida, which if you're not familiar, it's a great uh, beach town as artsy. There's like three main cities in the state of Florida. Jacksonville's one of them. Has a great scene, and though it's still very much in the Bible Belt. Mm. So here I am, you know, like obsessed with Eastern philosophy and reciting Sanskrit that I didn't truly understand at the time, you know, it's like a total fraud. Um, and I yeah. walked into. And explain what the Bible belt is for people that aren't familiar with that. Oh yeah. So, uh, uh, what's the way that I could explain it? So in the South, nearly everyone is, um, some type, uh, you're a Baptist, you're born again, Christian, it's a very, um, I grew up in New Jersey, lots of Jews, lots of diverse uh, people in my school and, and all of that. And, and, and there was pretty much one note in the Bible mm. Belt, right? So it's very, um, it's faith dominant in a very particular type of faith. So um, I got so curious about that. So one day my gym was closed and I was like, oh, well, you know, I just moved up the street from this yoga studio and I went in and it was hot as hell. (laughs) And I was like, what is wrong with these people? You know? And within five minutes, I could, I knew that I was, that God put me in that place. The instructor did not talk in Sanskrit, did not talk in flowery woo-woo language, was a normal person 
And I can remember her talking about like she lost her wedding ring or something. And she's like telling us the story while we're in class. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but I feel like these are my people. Mm. And like very down to earth. And so in that process, I was living in this what seemed like a juxtaposition, like kind of like this oxymoronic stage. And I had lots of friends around me that were so brilliant, a chemist, teachers, uh, professors, and they were all super Christian. And I would be like, what is wrong with you people? Like, don't you get that this is just like a fairy tale that somebody told you? Like, I didn't get it. And I would harass them about it. And so that curiosity then turned into like, I want to understand why you, the chemist, the science-based person, could possibly believe in this story, in this like fairy tale story. And so then I became like really, uh, really, I love to read, but I read probably like 20 books on Christianity. And there okay. were. And, and right now you're like figuring out this fairy tale story of Christ, like the, the, yeah. the Bible, the Bible. Okay, wow, you read 20 books. Okay. And, yeah. and, so this is Ali at like age 18, 19, 20? Yeah, I was probably about 21, 22 most at the time. Okay. And then like in another yoga teacher training at this point. Um, and so I just wanted to know. So I'll, I'll try and keep a very long story short. I was reading in Baron Baptiste's 40 Days of Personal Revolution. There's a, there's a section in the very beginning that talks about Ram Dass and Krishna Das. Ram Dass is um, the he just passed away in December, but he's a famous, he was a professor at Harvard that got fired for wanting to study psychedelics back in the 60s and became a Hare Krishna. Okay, so there's this little story about how Ram Das and Krishna Das, they go to India, they hike a mountain, they go to find their guru, and they get to the feet of the guru, and they say, guru, like, you know, how do we get to know God? And the story is that the guru laughs and said, if you want to know God, go home and worship Jesus. Now, these are two Jewish guys from New York, you know, or the New England area. But in that moment, when I read that, it's like I had spent the last 10 years fighting against a faith because I, I was making it wrong. You know, like all these things that I believe about equality and um, that all things belong. I had it in my mind that those were opposing thoughts. Mm. And in that moment, I got the and, you know, that everything belongs. So no matter, you know, how you identify, like love is constant, right? And so then I like, I want to know, I want to know more, right? Tell me why you're, you're such an intelligent person. Like, what is this for you? And so in my pile of 20 books, I remember reading two books that really, um, I don't know if it was the content of the book, probably not. It was more like my place, my heart, and where I was at the time. Mm. But I read a book by Donald Miller called Blue Like Jazz. Okay. And, and in that book, there's a line that says, you know, God, God is um, never finished. Like jazz never, never loops back around. It just keeps on going. And the other quote from that book, and oh gosh, this was so long ago, but it's, it's the mystery. Like God is the mystery that holds the stars apart. 
So I read that and I'm like, yes, this is it. And then another one I was reading a Jews for Jesus book, which talks about how Jewish people convert. I'm, I'm not condoning um, any conversion. This is not a conversion <laughs> podcast. And though it was so beautiful in that moment, I was like, oh, I get it. And the reason why I got it when I was reading the Jews for Jesus book is, you know, God is love and human beings, we try and, um, or I did anyway, like tried to make it fit into some kind of format or formula, or if we have to do it this way, we've got to say prayers this way or behave this way. And it's not true. You know, there's eight point something billion people on the planet Earth, and there's eight point something different versions of the same mystery that holds the stars apart. And so from there, I started getting really into Joseph Campbell, who studied all of um, the major religions and the way people tell stories. And he was the first philosopher to point out that, you know, even... um, people in the bush or, you know, your major modern religions, we were all trying to explain and worship the same thing. Mm, mm. And so that is really, it speaks to the heart of the person. So that's, that's really where I, I, it was this moment, you know, over a long couple, couple, a few years where I was like, wait, everyone should know that regardless of how they're conditioned societally by their parents or whomever about religion, okay, fine, but you've got to get to the God that speaks to your heart. Whatever version of that is, that's the important juice of your lifetime that I think all of us need to discover if we want to live our life on purpose. Wow. Who is the God that speaks to your heart? Ali, this is such an intriguing story of just curiosity So if I just, (laughs) I love how like, you're just that person that like needs to know, you know what I mean? Like, I just heard you say that, like, I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. And so if it wasn't for this curiosity, like where, where do you think, you know, I I sort of want to live in the past for a little bit. Like, where, where do you think you'd be? You know what I mean? Because like, what what would you have decided on? Yeah. Just explain that because you got so curious and it's easy to really hear, you know, like I think about when I first heard self-development at a a network marketing conference and I'm like, this is sort of crazy. And if it wasn't for me, like getting curious and all different types of self-development, I wouldn't have found bits and pieces that feel authentic to me. And that's what it sounds like you really learned and got curious to found, to find what's authentic to you. So what would be, what would happen if it wasn't for that? And I, oh my gosh, I would be miserable I, um, my joke is I used to have like a sweet Louis Vuitton collection because I thought that external material things qualified me in the world. And so I lived from this place of deep insecurity and needing, um, whether it be a title or a physical object to qualify me in the world. That was the way that I lived. And, and that, I also worked in the beauty industry, so there's a and there's lots of good that lives in the beauty industry, so I'm not harping on that. And it preys on people's insecurity. So if I had never found that, I mean, honestly, there's um, there's no other way it was supposed to be than the way that it turned out. But if I could imagine 
that it didn't happen for me like that. I would definitely be in the incorrect relationship. I would be in the incorrect life. I would be in the incorrect, uh, just really unhealthy behaviors. I would still, you know, when you're recovering from something, you're recovering for the rest of your life. But I would still definitely be um, be suffering from disordered eating and all the other addictive uh, behaviors and codependent behaviors that come from that. I mean, I don't even know if I'd still be alive, honestly. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I, my whole body just got the chills and I'm like, okay, one second. I just need to let it really come. So who, um, I'm thinking like people have asked me and I wonder if they've asked you, but they're like, Luca, how (laughs) you seem like you're joyous or just happy for most of the time. Like, you know, like why or how, and Allie, it's because for me, I am so grounded in my faith and I know the things I need to do daily and weekly to be grounded and connected to my higher being, which is God. And I know I need to listen to worship music. I need to do my daily devotional. Like I need to do, like we've learned through Light Your Leadership, some of our little um, techniques that get us more connected to God. And that's what really clears and grounds me. And I totally see now, like I've known all this, but I'm really glad you verbalized it through your beautiful language that if it wasn't for that, these last few months have been very difficult for me and other people. I know a lot more. Um, And it would be very easy to get caught in this wave of what people are saying or negativity or challenge and stop me from really the long game and living in my purpose and passion like you were talking about. So this is huge. Like, I mean, this is one of the secrets of life, you know, (laughs) like. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And And if it's not this, then what is it? You know, and and I can't help but think that that's, it is my passion to support people in finding whatever that great, whatever I call it grace, like what that looks like in their own life. And it's going to be a different flavor for all of us. And I think that's what's so beautiful about it. It's what's so beautiful about diversity. It's so, be- what's beautiful about uh Diversity in every sense, uh, diversity of thought, diversity of identity. Like it, it's what, it's the tapestry of who we are as humans and in humanity. And, and wow, like if we could just get everyone connected and aligned to what guides them, just think of all of the fragmentation that would clean up in just people being mad at each other or trying to convince each other of a certain way. And I believe really in a world that works for everyone. I believe that's possible in our lifetime. And I believe it's only possible if we support one another in staying connected up. You know, yes. And I love what you said, supporting everybody's flavor. You know, and that's some, there's a lot of unlearning that I'm doing in that growing up in California in a very small conservative town, like a very Christian 
and Catholic town to really being open, yeah, to just everybody's flavor of connecting to God or their higher power because I I, I know that's why people get turned off because it's just these blindfolders on. I mean, and that's just, um, religion is just one aspect. I mean, these blindfolders can be, as we see now in the world, on many aspects. And that's who I am showing up to people is just, yeah, like creating this space to know that it is important and be curious and find yours. Like you don't have to listen to somebody. Yeah, you have those people you trust that align with your core values and who you are and trust them. But yeah, Get curious. So, Ali, when you came to this huge, just transformative revelation, like, what was next? Where, where did this take you? Well, I, oh my goodness, I, <laughs> there's a theory in people that become faith filled seemingly out of nowhere. And, <laughs> well, off, it's, it's called the pink pen theory, right? And it's like, once you start really believing and leaning into your faith, you can say, all right, God, if you're real, show me a pink pen, you know, and you'll be walking through the grocery store and lo and behold, there will be a pink pen in the middle of the freezer aisle, you know, and that really, it started happening like that, you know, and then after a while, it, it kind of wears off, you know, and well, then okay. you got to like dig a little deeper. So as that would happen, my curiosity just steamrolled, right? And so I started making decisions and I moved from Jacksonville to Washington, D.C. And then I moved from there home and I opened um, our yoga studios, which are called Grace and Glory Yoga. Really? Okay. Before you go into that, I'm so curious, Ali. Okay. I've never heard of that ever. And say a couple examples of these peak pens. Like I'm being very honest right now. Were they literally pink pens or was it just like a little... Okay, say say a couple. This, yeah, I'm, yeah. So I mean, it's just like literally anything. It's like, I mean, the the joke is when you start to become a faithful person, you look for these miracles, and it, and they say that you'll start to test God. You'll be like, all right, God, if you are real, show me a blue butterfly in the next ten minutes. You know, um, and oh, there's so many examples. The one that I can think of is. Um, I was wanting to become pregnant with our first daughter. And I just like, I didn't know, was it the right time? Blah, 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 blah. Like all that stuff that people go, will it work? You know, the whole gamut that that women and men go through. And I decided that an owl was going to be my like symbol of you go ahead, girl. You know? Okay. So... (laughs) I, I was driving to New York City for a meeting. I live about two hours from New York. And I decided that the owl was my... Th- I'm like, what's a thing that'd be like really weird to... Like probably... It, it's a little out there. It's a little bold, you know? So an owl was my sign, okay? It was like the first thing that came in. Go have the meeting. I come home at night and I was going to uh, the craft store for something with my husband. And, and we're like walking with the cart and talking and he paused and he's saying something to me and behind him on the end cap from floor to ceiling was all these owl figurines. And I'm like, well, that's weird, but that's probably just a coincidence. They're like trending right now. We go home and I live near the beach. I've never seen an owl ever 
where we live. Okay. So I'm getting ready for bed and I hear, I'm not even going to, I don't even know how you make an owl sound, but it's very loud. Yes. I hear that. And I open my bedroom window and there are two owls sitting on the, the electric, whatever telephone wire. I don't even know what it is. The high line thing right outside of my bedroom window. And I almost fell over. And then within two weeks, I found out that I was pregnant, right? So it's one example of many. And I feel like we can start to work with the natural world in that way of um, people that are really into manifesting, you know, they'll they'll use that. And, and I do believe that we're given the world around us to support us, um, that God wants to affirm we're on the right path or we need redirection. And it's easy for my skeptical need to knowness to say, oh, that's, a, that's too out there for me. That's not. No, I don't want to listen. Oh, like my hair is getting pulled again in one direction. Like, no, I just must be making that up. And what I've learned over the years is those, like trust those signs. And they've never, when I, I can, can look at the handful of times where I've ignored them, and I've been led through the toughest lessons of my life. Gosh, I'm like just thinking, ask and you shall receive. And uh, and just, Holly, your curiosity for life and just, uh, oh my goodness. Wow, that that is beautifully said. And I just finished reading this book. I have it right here. It's called Hearing God by Nathan Finocchio. And it has just all different ways that we can hear God or a higher being. And there's a whole chapter just on nature and the natural world. So what I've been doing lately is I've been loving walks. One of the blessings of COVID for me has walking, been walking, and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. And it's not just like walking to the store. It's like walking and paying attention to the flowers, the plants, the wind, just what, what is out there. And for me, as I've done that, there's been so many realizations that have popped up in my head and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I need to do. That's what I need to do. And I'm like, Luca, you're, you're hearing God, you're hearing your higher being, um, through those. So, and I love how you got even specific, you know what I mean? And just by saying that, um, Hmm, dang, thank you. Thank you for taking a moment to explaining that that is very powerful. We'll be right back to the second part of this episode. Do you have a goal, vision, or passion project you want to bring to life? Do you need an accountability partner, a sounding board, a cheerleader, and marketer to help you easily plan and execute? If this is you, I can totally help you. One of my passion places is when I'm helping my clients as a marketing and possibility strategist. I combine my love for collaboration, storytelling, and creativity with my experience of marketing, public relations, self-leadership, and personal development to help entrepreneurs, brands, and soon-to-be business owners ignite clarity, possibility, fun, authenticity, and action in the marketing, promotion, and communication process. Here's how I've helped one of my current clients. Hey, I'm AJ Bishop. I'm a managing director of investments, 
I own Baptiste Power Yoga San Diego and now the newly founded My Wealth Conscious Coach. Luke has been so great to work with. I love his passion and energy around helping my business as well as my brand evolve into the best possible version of itself. I really enjoy working with Luca because it. I know that things are going to get done and I can see the results almost immediately, whether that's from working on right, social media content to new ideas and brainstorming. I always have a good sense of accomplishment at the end of my sessions with Luca. I would recommend Luca if you want to work with someone who has a lot of passion and heart for what he does, but ultimately that translates into what you do because... He, he gets fired up if you're fired up about your business. And I've never felt like someone who right has such an extensive experience with marketing would be able to be as excited as I am about my own business. If you need marketing and communication support, I would love to chat. Schedule a complimentary discovery call at bit.ly forward slash market my passion project. That's B-I-T dot ly forward slash market my passion project. I'll make sure to include the link in this episode's show notes. Now, enjoy the rest of our conversation. Where did you open your first yoga studio? Is it Grace and Glory? Grace and Glory, yeah. So it was April 12th. Um, it'll be nine years ago this coming April. So we've been here for eight and a half years. And I actually live right up the street from the first little teeny weeny yoga studio. We could fit, if we had 13 people, they would have to have like their mats kind of on top of each other. And That's then we, we moved next door, you know, so I should say in the leaning into God and, and, and faith and having patience, what I heard there was to do was to create a community in the town that I grew up in which mm. I previously totally denounced. I'm like, I'm never moving back to the state of New Jersey. I'm definitely never moving to South Jersey again. And though all of these things kept pulling me back to the town that I grew up in. And there wasn't the yoga community. There's a great, there are great yoga studios here, but the community that I was used to through the I Practice Baptist Power Vinyasa Yoga, it's a very specific type of yoga that yields a very specific kind of community, transformational community. And so that hadn't yet existed here where I live. And I knew that I wanted to teach yoga. I'm like, well, there's not a Baptist studio here. So I'm just going to um, open a space where I can teach. Mm. Teaching or owning a yoga studio wasn't really on my radar, but it just happenstance. And so I opened the studio. One person came, two people came, the 13 people came. I'm like, okay, now we need to move next door. I had no money, no money at all. But I just kept leaning into faith, leaning into, okay, just we'll do that. And then we were there for a little over a year. And then we moved into the spot where we're in now, which is like four times the size. Um, more uh, I'm terrible at math. So more than four times the size. <laughs> and um, now we're four studios. We have three here in South Jersey, one of which is our nonprofit, the Leadership Studio. And um, we have a studio in the Fishtown neighborhood in Philadelphia. And I have two really incredible partners. And um, the nonprofit, we have a, an amazing executive director who I always say is uh, my partner as well. And we have incredible managers. 
and we've got 74 teachers between the studios, you know, and so we're, it's, uh, you know, God bless the humble beginnings of just listening and doing the thing, because I think if you would have told me nine years ago, like, this is what it would look like for you in 10 years, there's no way I would have believed you. I just wouldn't have. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't have seemed even remotely possible. 10 years ago. And okay, so Ali, I why why would it have not seemed remotely possible? I know you said one thing, you didn't have the resources, and I love that you said that because when you don't have the resources, your faith and patience will take you there. So it, it, exp- explain more like I really understand what that means, but explain that like why you why did you not think that this would ever be your life? Yeah, well that I had quit my job in Washington, D.C. And, and moved home and worked for Lululemon for like two months. So God bless the Lululemon <laughs> people. It's yes. where I found Suzanne's work of Light Your Leadership, formerly I Goal You. I got the most out of it in the first three days of the onboarding where we had to do goal setting. Um, and I quickly learned folding pants, God bless you, it's not my thing. Um, <laughs> and it served me in so many other ways, that mm. weird little interim of time. Um but it didn't seem feasible because definitely because I had no money. I think I had $732. I think that was the number I had in the bank when I signed a lease. And I'm like, well, if I can't pay the rent next month, who cares? I'll move, you know? Um, <laughs> so it was that. I had no place to live. I moved home with my mom. I didn't have a car because I was living in Washington, D.C. I would walk. We don't live in a pedestrian-friendly town. Um I and it didn't seem possible because the anti vision I kept telling myself was I will never move back to New Jersey. I will never move back there. You know, I just all of my childhood traumas and development lived here and there. I didn't want to revisit it again. So it was resources. It was anti vision. Like I was really resisting what was being shown to me. Um, I didn't know anything about business at the time. I, I, have earned probably about six hypothetical MBAs at this point (laughs) over the past 10 years. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that title. Hypothetical MBA. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, all of it, it just, I didn't see that for myself. It seemed like a pipe dream, you know? And, and, and so right now when I sit down and I write a 10 year vision, I'm like, Oh geez. Like uh, it really takes, like you said, you clearing, going for a walk, whatever you got to do to clear so you can hear, we must do that. Because if we're, if it's left up to logic, we will keep ourselves safe and small. Oh, oh my gosh. Clear so you can hear if it's left up to logic and the intellectual self, you'll fit. What would you say? I don't remember what I just said, yeah. but we just won't do it. It'll keep us safe. It'll it'll yes. protect. It will air quotes protect us and keep us in a cycle of the known. And when we do vision work, we must crack the the known and and let the unknown in. Hmm. And oh. that's hor like it's horrifying for people <laughs> because like it's what's happening right now with COVID. There, it's all unknown. And people are terrified, you know, and you can see all the ways people are acting nasty, 
They're saying not nice stuff to each other. They're shrinking. And it's because they're in fear, self-preservation mode. And that's what I do. I, I, I mean, I know that. And I think we do it as human beings. To keep ourselves protected, we, we stay in relationships that we know they don't work. We stay in jobs that we know are incorrect. We stay in physical locations that we know are incorrect because that that it seems like a pipe dream. It seems too bold. It seems to, oh my gosh, my whole family will think I'm nuts or, or whatever that is for you. We just have to know in that exact moment from vision and when we start to go into anti-vision, meaning the things that we tell ourselves from fulfilling on that vision, it's really, I mean, the ego's, I think it's a bad rap. It's, it has some good purposes in our life, but it, it wants to protect us from what we perceive as being laughed at, being a failure. It's not going to work. To which I say, get out there and get some good failures under your belt. You know, how are you going to create the future if you're not out there failing? Mm. Okay. There's so many things that you said were just amazing. So, you know, one thing and like, uh, even before this conversation, we just like had, like we cleared to start it off. But even before that, we just grounded ourselves and said a powerful declaration. And it's just, it, it, it seems so much of my life and I'm still, I'm young and I'm still learning a lot. I would just like go straight into work, go straight into the project, go straight into this. And it was like, boom, boom, go, go, go. Action, action, action. Grade, 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 A, great. You know what I mean? Do that. And I just wouldn't really think of like, Luca, are you clear right now? Luca, are you um, in touch with your body? Like, did you do those restoration techniques before you started visioning the next 10 years of your life? You know, because we've done with Lightyear Leadership, that's how Ali and I connected. We've done some powerful vision work, and, and that's what I've started to do with marketing clients. And the important, like, yeah, you if you can't clear yourself and know those restoration techniques, it's important to have a community to guide you and support you until you're able to do it on your own. And Ali, that's like, I love this. You go back to your core value of community leadership, like everything that you've shared, like you talked about of grace and glory, and you gave it back to all the other people that are leading this community together, all these leaders, you know what I mean? Like to learn about your, um, faith journey, like you leaned into all these different people, all these different books. Um, Our mentor, Suzanne, or I don't know if it was her, somebody said that like anybody can be your mentor or leader, even if it's a book or a podcast, like, you know, you can say, yeah, my mentor. And it's just, you know what I mean? But it's leaning into that community. So, so wow, that's one thing. And I want you to talk a little more about the failures. Like you just said, like failure, that's just what you've done. And what, what, why, why should people fail? Well, here's my belief is that I believe that human beings only learn, truly learn in two ways. The first way is obviously through failure. I just said that. And the second way is through play. And if you get it right, you can just turn your failures into playfulness. Okay. So, um, what are some failures? Like I've had failure in spending money on the incorrect things in my business. 
I've had failure in, um, you know, I've maybe trusted the incorrect people. Or I've definitely, there's been um, two times that I could say that I've gotten incorrect partnerships with people in business. And, you know, the people around me, they get, they get, they get into self-protection preservation mode on my behalf, you know, and, and people are like, oh, you should sue that person. You should do whatever. And they give you advice or you need to slow down or whatever. But without those moments of perceive, because it really is just a perception. Failure is just a perception. They're ripenings. And you can, you've got to take the gold and move on. You know, it's like, um, Handstand is a great example. You learn how to do handstand by falling on your head or your butt. That's how you learn to do a handstand, you know? Um, So it's interesting where we'll think that professionally or in relationships or, you know, fill in the blank, that if we don't just, you know, get out there and do it right the first time, then we ought to just not do it where it's like you're actually only going to learn how to do the thing by being in the practice, the doing of the thing. And each time you fail, because you will fail, hopefully hundreds of times, you'll keep extracting the gold. And then you'll create yourself as one who deeply understands. You know, and I, and I start to look at that, anything that I take on as an experiment, experiment you know, it's like, well, I, I want to do X, Okay, good. I'm going to have to get out there and do it. And I'm going to fail the whole time until it sticks. But I've got to fail forward. You know, I can't fail and then go home and sit on my couch and eat ice cream, you know, or do that, but then quickly move on, you know, um, not move on, like forget it, but like for move on, like quick. What's the gold in that lesson? Let's go, you know, like let's move it forward. Hmm, You know, and I love that. Okay. And it's just like adding the playfulness to it. So it's like, damn, I really failed there. I really effed up. I really screwed up. Like, okay, whatever. Let's just like laugh about it. Let's go in. And I'm thinking back, Ali, thank you for reminding me of this. But when I graduated from college from Fresno State, with a marketing degree, wanting to do something in sales and marketing. I moved um, six hours away um, to Riverside to sell wine. And my gut was telling me not to do it. And I still did it. And it's a great company. And it just wasn't for me. And like, that could have been like a big failure that I could have sat in because I paid (laughs) for an apartment for a year long. And I was there for two months. I started with a great company with great benefits with this or that. And I had held, told them not for me. And, you know, I had moved to U-Haul all the way up. I had to get a credit card to move all the way back, like all these little things. And I'm like, damn, if I didn't realize, like if I didn't fail fast, if I didn't fail fast, I could have elongated that process and it would have just taken me. I know I would still have connected to my purpose and it would have taken me a lot longer. And that journey, I go to one job, not for me. I go to another job, not for me. I go to another job. Then I find Lululemon. Then I find Suzanne Conrad. Then I find the self-development that I'm looking for. Then I start this podcast. And vi- and it's just like, look at how many times I failed. So for those of you listening right now, like if you are in a failure or if you like are experiencing a failure. It's more like, woo, congratulations. 
<laughs> yeah, right now, just like give yourself some love and do a little dance party to failure. You know, make it fun and make it playful. Ugh. Ali, so so what is life like now? Like, you know, you failed a lot. Uh, you're living in your passion place. You have these yoga studios with 74 instructors, you said? Mm-hmm. Going from a studio of 13 people to now 74 instructors. Like, what is it like living in this passion place? Like, yeah, today, like, what is it like? Well, I would love to tell you it's all rainbows and butterflies, <laughs> and it's not, you know? And, and there's, in in the world of yoga, we would call it santosha. There's a commitment, when you a contentment by living your in alignment with who you are. And so even when it's hard, even when it feels impossible, even when everybody seems like they're sending you emails and pissing you off, (laughs) even in all like people humaning all over the place, you still are standing in what matters most to you, right? So those moments of stress or, whatever it's not even really stressed but it's like it's like a you feel like you're getting squeezed you know you know those feelings of your soul getting squeezed you still can breathe you still have your feet on the floor and you still can look at it with clarity and so i mean there's been hundreds of times over the past decade where the ongoing joke between me and my husband is like, I'm going to go Google real estate school. I'm just going to go sell real estate, you know? Um, And we laugh because there's no way I could do anything else other than what I'm doing right now. And today that looks like owning yoga studios. And right now in the state of New Jersey and the city of Philadelphia, we physically cannot be open. So it's interesting to still be the steward of community where we can't gather. And and that's been such a, a bizarre blessing of this time is oh, we're not even we're not even a brick and mortar. We are a collaboration, a congregation, a gathering of people that are really up for transforming our lives newly every day. So to that's what fuels me. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, there's nothing on this planet Earth I love more than supporting people in their journey of development. Um, my husband is also now he's a yoga teacher. He wasn't for a very long time. But he'll Aww. say to me, like, I, I'll go teach in the morning and I'll come home and I'll. it's like I just had six cups of coffee, you know, because it's the thing that restores me entirely and it's like Stella got her groove back, you know. Um, it's the thing that I really plug into, not that I'm plugging into others because, you know, I really believe as a guide of this kind of work, you got to stand alone and let people have their own thing. But knowing that, people are setting, stepping out onto their own journey is the thing that could not be more rewarding to me. So to wake up every day and know that that's happening and then where it's not happening or then I've got work to do. And so there's always work to be done. There are always failures and hard lessons and challenges. It is so rewarding. Um, And 
there's a contentment in that is knowing that with the unique blend of gifts that God gave me, I'm using those and they're I'm it's my expression. And, um, yeah, there, to me, there's just nothing more important than that for me and for everyone. Mm-hmm. See, and I uh, just, wow. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you said it's not all butterflies and rainbows, like living in your passion place is like my intro sounds, you know, it sounds just so magical. And so just like, ah, oh, you know, and like you still get in funks, there's still challenges and you also just have those restoration, those grounding techniques, you know, the the faith, the connection to God that that holds you sturdy, that that deepens your roots so you can handle that stuff. Ali, something that you said to me when we chatted um, a few weeks ago was just so beautifully said, and I really believe it. And I want you, um, you know, to just like to finish off this conversation and just explaining it. Um, you said our job in this life is to support people to find their purpose and help live it out. So for people listening, like just share a little advice and a little reasoning of, of why that's something that you just believe so deeply. I, and it's so highlighted right now with the, all that's occurring in the world between COVID and in the U.S., the, the um, civil unrest that's happening, which it's no surprise, by the way, people, they're happening on top of each other. I happen to believe that they're uh, both very purposeful, if you'll take the time and listen. And I feel as though a lot of the, the isms that humanity suffers from, racism, classism, sexism, um, depression, anxiety. Now I'm not, I'm not a therapist. I'm not um, minimizing people that that's a real clinical issue for. However, I think right now depression, anxiety is really riddled. It's embedded in our culture. And for a good majority of us, it comes from a disconnection from our purpose And I know that that's how it occurs for me. And I'm not saying that's for everyone, but I feel really strongly for the vast majority that when we feel disconnected from our purpose, we don't know why we're here. We don't have a reason to put our pants on in the morning or to brush our teeth. We have no other option but to downward spiral. So what I love about what you're up to, Luca, with your podcast is passion and purpose are synergistic and and they could probably be you could swap them out you know and that's what i feel like there is to do is we're given one life and as suze would say it's a one room you know or here life is a one room schoolhouse one of my favorite writers Anne lamott would say earth is forgiveness school we're just here to develop, to ripen. And part of that ripening is um, our seeking, our curiosity, our listening for what's in our heart and living that out. And all of the things that we think we, quote, should be doing, we should get a job, we should get married, we should have 2.4 children, a golden retriever, and a white picket fence, right? Like all of those shoulds were really just made up and imposed on us. 
So the listening for what's important to you, what matters to you, what um, you feel or see that there is to do, if you are connected to that and you wake up every morning and that purpose is your North Star, it's your guiding light with your interactions, your conversations, and especially your choices, well, you can't go wrong. There literally is no failure. There's no, um, there's no making the wrong decision. There's no um, not living up to your life's potential. And so through a, you know, as all the self-development work I've done, self-leadership work that I am committed to doing forever and ever, amen, not that I feel like every person on the planet needs to go sign up for Tony Robbins seminar, you know, but go ahead if you want to do that. But it is what we, what we can do is really support each other to listen, to affirm that what we hear is the correct thing to do and to stop asking other people for advice because the best advice comes from within. We have the answer, you know, we each are the one and this just beautifully like a full circle conversation, Allie, like what you said at the beginning of the conversation, you feel that like your passion place is this place or this purpose that you want to die on this hill that you want to die on. And that's life. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that I want to say it's coming up for me right now is um, just this past weekend, one of my personal heroes Um, Senator John Lewis passed away. He was in his 80s and he died of pancreatic cancer. But he is one of the people, talk about, I've never met him in real life, but I consider him a mentor. When I think about your passion being the hill that you, you die on. So if you don't know who John Lewis is, please go look him up. But he was a part of, major part with Martin Luther King Jr., part of the civil rights movement, um, the Bloody Sunday, the March on Selma. But his thing is love and action. And when I, he embodies to me getting literally brutally beaten publicly, um, repeatedly. He uh, lived his life every single day committed to love being the most important thing that there is. And years ago, like maybe eight years ago, I listened to him speaking and he was talking about his training during the civil rights march, civil rights marches. And one of the things that he said is their number one training is that when you're getting attacked, beat up by the enemy, what you need to do is look them in the eye and don't look away. And it dismantles, um, all of the perceived hate and we can, that love, right, is, is the most important thing that there is. Like, and I really got from him, no matter what, like life's beating you down, someone's physically beating you down. If you stand for the truth and love, that's all that matters. So when I think about the hill that you will die on, he literally, I believe he was 80 exactly, mm. but he died a senator. He's a um he lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and still to this day, at 80 years old, like fighting for love and action and equality, 
I'm like, that's who I, that's the legacy that I want to have. That no matter what you could say, when you come to my funeral, Allie Nunzi lived life on purpose at every step with everyone, literally no matter what. And so um, that's what I think of when I think of passion. I think what you're doing here, Luca, is the most important thing that we could do is have these really important conversations with each other. Ali, you were just igniting something within me that uh, it's like, what hill do I want to die on? You know, and the thing is that our days are numbered and, you know, this could tomorrow could be our last day. So it's like the importance of connecting to your passion now, wherever you are. You know, if you're in a place that this career doesn't seem like it's it's what you imagine, like there is a way to connect to your purpose and your passion. I love that you said they're intermixed because it's like living in your purpose place, living in your passion place. They're one in the same. So thank you for sharing so vulnerably and inspiring me. And I know listeners to connect to this place today because that's what we're meant to do. Like, that's what we're meant to do, Allie. Oh, my goodness. This has been so, so nice. Uh, I know we could talk for probably a whole nother hour. (laughs) Um, Yes. And I want to finish this with um, asking you a a few rapid fire questions and just whatever comes to your your mind, share them. And the first one is, what's an everyday moment in your life that brings an ear-to-ear smile to your face? Oh, my goodness. So I have been married now, we're still newlyweds at five years young of marriage. And my husband will make me coffee in the morning. And that simple act of service is my every single day reminder that we could do these seemingly meaningless acts of service for one another, but he knows that it brings me joy. So he does it, even when he's late for work, or if our daughter's like jumping on his head, he'll make me coffee. And it's this beautiful, super simple reminder that if we care for one another, then the rest of the day will unfold as it should. Oh my gosh. Wow. I'm thinking for me, it's like with a significant other or somebody that I really love when they text me, good morning and a bitmoji that says good morning. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, I love that. Okay, so Ali, you are talking to yourself in 10 years. So you're living out this 10-year vision. What do you tell yourself? Oh, wow. Um, good job. Good mm. job. You know, I, I had shared with you earlier, Luca, you know, my 10-year vision is an amplified version of my right now vision. And it's Being with 10 years from now, I will have a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. We're having a baby in January. and January 16th. Cross your fingers. (laughs) And um, that's my due date. Did you know that? No, that's my birthday. Oh, well, there you go. That's my due date. That's why I thought you said it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Mm Mm-hmm. So... It's it's making sure that the, the simple things of our life are covered, that we're going on trips together, loving each other, seeing the beauty that there is. Then for me professionally, it's making sure that the people that I know that I'm here to reach, 
I've reached them and continue to serve them. Um, and yeah, in 10 years, I'll be able to say, good job, Allie. Uh, just a good, good job can go a long way. Um, Allie, what's been a transformational, and I know you mentioned a lot, but it's a one self-development book or podcast that's been really transformational in your life? Wow. Um, huge reader. Um, so there are many books, but I would say the podcast that for many years now has continued to transform me and evolve me has been Krista Tippett's On Being podcast, which is a snippet of an NPR show. Um, and speaking of John Lewis, she's got an incredible interview with John Lewis. Please mm. go listen to it. Um, she interviews people on their belief systems and how they create themselves to be. And so each time I listen to that podcast, I'm reminded of how important our individual voice is and how we really need to express it out. So I would say that. Mm, Gosh. Okay. Yeah. I I just started listening to her podcast and they are so dang good. Mm -hmm. I I will listen to the one of uh, John Lewis as I drive home today for a few hours. Um, What is one word to describe how it feels to live in your passion place? Mm. To finish this conversation off. I hate to be cheesy, but I would say grace. And when I say the word grace, it's really it feels to be in a flow, to not resist, to not say no to my future. And, and so grace feels like that forward and important momentum. And when I'm living in my purposeful passion place, I know. It's not that life is easy and though life works. Gosh, your sphere of grace. Allie, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. You are just such a special light. Well, back at you, Luca. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. And uh, I know more is to come for sure. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of this episode and being a part of this conversation. I hope it has you talking about and connecting with your passion place a little more. If this chat positively impacted you, please share it with your friends in person or on your social media. And also hit the subscribe button and write us a review. Connect with us on Instagram at Passion Place Podcast and on Facebook at Living in Your Passion Place. Tune in every other Wednesday for a brand new episode.